For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Note that he says, and he goes on to make clear in verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18 is important. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. You know why people go to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. Scripture makes it very clear. People choose hell. It is a self-condemnation of those who refuse the love of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So Christ didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. Verse 19 says, this is a condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds evil. Why do people reject the gospel? Verse 19 tells us. They love darkness rather than light. You know, we laugh at little children that are afraid of the dark. What can we do about adults that are afraid of the light? I want you to notice three things in this text, and I hope you'll carry these away with you. Life, love, and light. See it? Life, love, and light. All of that is found in Jesus Christ. But I know that most of us here tonight have already trusted Christ. Some maybe recently, some maybe over many, many years ago. But I want you to carry these three things away with you because what life, love, and light say to us can change our life. Number one, a life. When we think of the life that we have in Christ, when we think of this passage and other passages like it, it gives us great assurance. When life becomes complicated, when it becomes difficult, when your heart is broken, I know many, many people right now who are going through their final stages of life uh, about ready to enter into eternity. There are so many hurting people in this country. What a difference it makes, whatever you're going through, to come back to the foundation. Paul says, other foundation can no man lay than that which God has laid, which is Christ Jesus. The assurance that you and I have, this very author, John, who wrote this gospel in the book of Revelation, and also 1 John, in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, he tells us these things we've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may what? that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not a guessing game. There's no doubt about it. You either have life or you don't. And if you have it, you only have it because you have trusted in the person of Jesus Christ and the work that he accomplished for you on the cross. That is life. Then there is love. Life gives us assurance, love gives us motivation. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, for the love of Christ compels us 
because we judge that if one died for all, it's because all were dead. And he died so that those who live, that is those who enter life through faith in Christ, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who loved them and gave himself for them. The love of Christ permeating your soul and my soul and then radiating outward first to others who are members of the family of God and then to those who are still out there wandering in the darkness will change our life. You know what it takes to let the love of Christ transform your life? You have to receive it as a little child. Have you ever stopped and thought about this? I'm going to ask you to raise your hands on this one. How many of you know that God loves you? Keep your hands up. How many of you think God likes you? You know what? That's your stumbling block in reaching your world for Christ. If you think He doesn't, He loves you, but He doesn't like you, you are the cherished product of His own hands. Yes, marred by sin. Yes, beaten and battered by life. That doesn't change the way He looks at you and nothing that you can ever do will ever change the way He looks at you. In Christ, you are accepted in the Beloved. And in common terms, that means God accepts you as if you were Christ Himself. That's why we're told to come boldly to the throne of grace, not because we're worthy or deserving. Nothing draws the heart of Jesus out more than brokenness and need. The time you're at your worst, the time you're hurting the most, the time you feel the most unworthy, that is when He is most seeking you. Let it be a motivation to you. Let the love of Christ go out to those around you. And then thirdly, life, love, and light. Light gives us a message. It gives us a message. You can shine the light of eternity into every soul you meet. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, be ready always to give a reason, to give an answer for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. Meekness and fear. Why? Stay humble. Stay reverent to God. Always keep the focus on Him. Never let the focus get on you. I want to end with a story. I was in Nigeria in 1989, I think. And we went into a very remote area to visit this woman whose husband had recently come to Christ. We were gonna visit him and he was gone. And as we pulled up, I saw this little toddler about four or five years old dragging in a branch for the fire. And I saw other kids out digging in the hard packed earth, trying to plant something to survive. And they lived in a thatched roof probably about 10 or 12 foot square, no sides on it, just the roof over their heads. The, the lady had a couple of pots and pans and, and you could tell they were just scraping by to survive. We asked where her husband was and she said, he's gone. We said, well, where did he go? She said, he went to the meeting where he found Christ, came home, shared with us, had a Bible that he had been given, shared with us the scripture, told us how we could have eternal life. And we, she said we were so filled with joy. We just couldn't believe 
that we had eternal life, that God accepted us, that we were forgiven. And then she said he began to get very depressed. It just seemed like the joy was gone. Like a heavy burden came on him. And one time she went out and he was sitting on a log looking to the north. There was a row of mountains to the north and she said, husband, what's wrong? Where'd the joy go? He said, there are villages beyond those mountains who have never heard this news. How will they hear if I don't go tell them? And so they prayed about it and she said, you go. And she fixed him a little packet of food to take with him and he left. He had been gone six months. She didn't know if he was alive or dead. You know what she said before we left? Isn't it wonderful that God chose my husband to carry the message to those people? That's the faith of a little child. I hope you and I can come back to the faith of a little child because it will fill your life with wonder like you have never seen before. God bless his word. God bless each one of you. Pray for each other. Let's close. Father, we are thankful for your grace. Thank you for your love that sent your son into this world. Thank you for his willingness to step down from his throne of glory and take on a robe of human flesh, to walk among men, to sorrow and to suffer as we suffer, and ultimately to face the greatest trial, the greatest test as he prayed in Gethsemane and repeatedly won the battle by saying, if there's any way, remove this from me. However, not my will, thy will be done. For us, he went to the cross, for me, for each person here. He had us personally in mind as he was on that cross paying the penalty of our sin. So Father, we are so thankful for the grace that you have showered on us. We thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. Help us always hold high that life, that love, and that light. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.